Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Here's um, Paul's dilemma. Paul has to deal with a group of Jewish believers that are called Judaizers. Uh, They would follow Paul from city to city in Galatia and address the people after Paul would get done speaking. And he would ask the question, did Paul preach the gospel? Did he explain the gospel clearly to you? And the, the Judaizers would be asking this to the people. And they said, yes, he presented the gospel very, very clearly. But then they would go on and say, but did he also tell you that you have to keep the law in order to be saved? So what Paul is up against here, as I said, when Paul was dealing with the Corinthian church, it was a moral issue. But when he's dealing with the Galatian church, it is a doctrinal issue. Because his argument here in what he's making against these Judaizers is that they're adding to something that isn't biblical. If you go back to, um, what verse was that? Go back to chapter one, verse six. I'll touch on this a couple times. This is how he begins. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel. I've entitled this morning's message, Another gospel, which is not another, but they are some who trouble you, that would be the Judaizers, who want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are angel from heaven preached another gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, then let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you, then what you've received, let him be accursed. One thing I want to point out here, sometimes we get wrong feelings about um, the Lord Jesus never getting upset. He's always sweet and kind and loving. Um, No, this is the same Jesus that made the quarter whips that he cleaned the tables off in the temple. The same Jesus in Matthew 23 who called the scribes and the Pharisees hypocrites, blind guides, and um, uh, their damnation is certain. And he just straight down the line. A lot of the Bible study this morning is going to be an encouragement to you, not on talking about Judaizers. What are they doing? They're presenting another gospel. Yeah, believe what Paul talks about when he talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you need to know you've got to keep the law too in order to be saved. This is what he's up against. And um, he's using strong 
terminology um, to get his point um, to get his point across. Now, what is the gospel? Now, take not, nothing for granted here. How simple it is. Simply turn over to First Corinthians fifteen. Just a couple of verses, one through four. And here's the simple gospel. You have it in your bulletin. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which you also received, and which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And here it is. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel. And he lays it out here, but one thing I want, what I like to do is I like to tie the Old Testament in with the New. And what does it say here? That the gospel is um, given according to the scriptures. Well, there was no New Testament, so it has to be the Old Testament that he's, he's referring to. Where in the Old Testament is the gospel of Jesus Christ presented? I'm really glad you asked me that question this morning. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. I'm gonna let it speak for itself. We read in 1 Corinthians 15, that the gospel is presented according to the scriptures. Isaiah 53, verse one. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. This is a reference to Jesus Christ. He has no form of comeliness, And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He was an average-looking Jewish man. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Here's where the gospel comes in. He was bruised for our iniquity. The bruising would have been the beating he got from the Roman guards. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. This would have been the 39 lashes on his back. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each to his own way. And here it is, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What does that mean? That means that every person who's ever lived has an opportunity to be saved and have their sins forgiven and have eternal life. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. When... um, Pilate was questioning him. Um, The Lord wouldn't answer some of his questions. And Pilate said to him, don't you realize that I have the power to put you to death? And then the Lord did say something. He said, you wouldn't have any power at all unless it was given to you. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter 
and as a sheep before his shears, so um, is this a silence that he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation, for he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. They made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. We're talking about the two thieves and then um, uh, the tomb. But the rich, because he had done no violence, nor was deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief, and here it is, when you made his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Uh, he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. This is when the father looks and sees the judgment that's coming on his son. Um, it actually says that the father was pleased knowing that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he purchased it. And the salvation is free. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify. Notice it doesn't say all. It says many. And that is a reference to those who freely exercise your free will to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or to say no. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, he was numbered with the transgressors, the two thieves. And he bore the sins of many, again, not all, because not all accepted him. And he made intercession for the transgressors. Back to Galatians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that um, the gospel is given to us according to the scriptures. Now you know where that's from. Isaiah chapter 53 uh, clearly lays it out. I want to to look at, um, in Galatians chapter 3, and move ahead just a little bit as Paul begins to make his argument. The Bible study this morning is not gonna be so much about Judaizers as it is about other churches that you and I both know that have added things to the gospel and have created another gospel. So hang in there, I'm going somewhere with this. Okay, Galatians 3 verses 10 through 14. It says, and by the way, we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, because of playing a mirror this morning, we'll be coming back and redoing the verses that I've skipped over to get to these five verses here in Galatians. Okay, verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Now he's directing this at the Judaizers. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. In other words, if you want to keep the law, you have to keep all of the law. And if you 
break one law, you've broken all the law, and it's a curse. That's why Jesus said, don't think I've come to destroy the law. I have not come to destroy the law. I've come to fulfill it. Jesus Christ is the only person who walked this earth who never sinned, never had an evil thought, never lusted, and he was the perfect sacrifice. He was the lamb that was blameless, without spot. And uh, here it says, do you guys really understand what the law is? It's a curse, because you gotta keep it all. And if you can't keep it all, then you're guilty of all. I'll talk about more of that next week. But no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. Okay, I'm gonna come, well, let me finish down in verse 14 and I'm gonna come back to this verse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham, it might come upon the Gentiles in Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So again, Paul's whole argument is you cannot add anything at all um, like the Judaizers were trying to do and um, have salvation. No, you're under a curse. So we go back to verse 11 and we read the words, the just shall live by faith. Martin Luther, Catholic priest, when he read this verse, it changed his life, and on October 31st, 1517, he approached the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. And the Protestant Reformation began. That was just over 500 years ago. We just celebrated the Reformation by this verse right here. As a Catholic priest, he read it, and he goes, well, that's not what we believe. What, what about our works? What, what about the sacraments? Um, what about praying to Mary? I could, the list could go on and on, adding to, adding to, adding to. Well, Martin Luther read this and says, well, enough of that. He says, the just live by faith. And so what he did is uh, he took the, the 95 Theses and nailed them on the, the Wittenberg door. And he says, here I, I make my stand, and it changed the world. Now, you, you think that sounds pretty good, right? It's not. Why is it not? Somebody say, why, Dwight? Thanks for asking. I'll tell you why, because he didn't take it far enough. The just shall live by faith, but you also have to be baptized in order to be saved. Can I ask you a question? What's the difference between a Judaizer who says you have to keep the law to be saved and Paul Paul saying, no, 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 that's another gospel and curse it anyone who would add anything to it. Well, is not infant baptism and uh, the requirement of being baptized. Ask any Lutheran. I grew up a Lutheran. Ask any Catholic. Do you have to be baptized in order to be saved? The answer is, yes, you do. 
So, I told you I was going to switch gears with our Bible study and not make it a history lesson about the Judaizers. No, here's my heart this morning, gang. Every person that's here um, knows someone um, that they love. And let me say that I know born-again Lutherans, okay? And um, I know born-again Catholics, so don't misunderstand me here. I would like um, for you to turn with me to Romans chapter 16 and I'm going to cut the verse in half because part of it I believe in and part of it um, I'm going to exclude. Romans 16 verse 17 says this. I'll give you a chance to get there. Now I urge you brethren note those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine. Stop there. He says, I want you to notice who they are and they're doing something that's contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to mark them. I want you to know who they are. And then he goes on to say, what you have learned and avoid them. Um, This is where I disagree with it. Um, You mark them, yes. Well, what do you mean by marking them, Dwight? Well, you have friends some of them who know the Lord from Catholic or Protestantism, but many of them don't. Many of them um, are not born again. Uh, Many of them really believe that they're going to heaven because they were baptized, and that's the ticket that's getting them in. Well, here's my exhortation for you this morning. I call it the Paul approach. Do you notice how he started Galatians? Where he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? How much, you guys know what chutzpah is? Sort of a uh, Jewish term. Gusto. Um, I call it the Paul approach. Um, Tell it like it is. Grab the bull by the horns. Don't compromise. What are you saying, Dwight? I'm asking you to do because these people that you know that think they're going to heaven because they were baptized, do you love them? Do you love them enough to tell them the truth? Do you love them enough to ask the question, can I ask you an honest question? Are you basing your salvation on a personal experience with Jesus Christ And he says, are you so foolish that you've begun in the spirit? Are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? That was towards the Judaizers. And ask them, and the reason I changed this message to what it is, is because I really believe it's really late. And in men's prayer yesterday, we happened to get into the book of Joel. You know what the book of Joel is all about? It is extremely graphic about what's about to take place after the rapture of the church. It's called the Great Tribulation. And you need to be made fully aware, people that you love and care about, who have another gospel. Why is it another gospel? Because they're adding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That excludes baptism. The application here, therefore, that if you love them, 
you ask them, are you trusting that your baptism is going to get you to, to heaven? I, like I said earlier, I know born again um, um, Lutherans. I know born again Catholics. I'm not worried about them. And um, even if they got it wrong with their baptism, they're not counting on their baptism for their salvation. Uh, they're counting on their salvation because they're a born again Christian and no one loved Jesus Christ. That's why I wouldn't finish the the rest of that statement where it says it have no fellowship with them. No, you have fellowship with them. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. Good place for an amen. amen. Is everybody following me here? This is important. It's important because we all have loved ones that are going to go into the tribulation that are trusting in another gospel. Oh, Dwight, it's all a baptism. It's um, infant baptism. My mother tells me that when I was baptized I screamed and I yelled and I kicked and I fought and I think I knew ahead of time this was false (laughs) and I was showing my despise at that moment this is not scriptural (laughs) I remember when after I was born again um, because the Bible says um, believe and be baptized and so, but, but you got to keep that in context with the rest of what the Bible teaches. Galatians is a very important book. It's a very timely book for what we're going through right now. And just as Paul is exhorting the churches in Galatia, oh, foolish Galatians, why can't you see it? You can't keep the law. It's a curse. It's another um, judgment upon you. Um, it's the Holy Spirit that brings about true salvation. So we all know people who go to church that are not saved, but they think they are. They're not born again. They're trusting in the fact that they were baptized, and therefore they will be saved. My exhortation to all of us this morning is in the back of your mind, you know who they are. And I'm asking you to be bold. Like Paul is being bold here, and he's calling them out. Oh, foolish Galatians. You have to be born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was religious, he was rich, and respected. He had all that going for him. And he came to Jesus by night, and he said, I know you're from God, because nobody can do what you're doing unless God is with them. The Lord cuts right to the quick. He said, Nick, well, I don't know if he said Nick or not. (laughs) Nicodemus, you must be born again. Well, how can I be born again? I'm an old man. I go into my mother's womb and come out again? No, that which is flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. There are churches all across our country with people who are sitting in pews that are not born again. And we need to explain to them the difference. Jesus did. He used terminology that Nicodemus could understand. He came down to next level. And he said, well, it's sort of like this, Nicodemus. You see the, 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 the trees blowing over there, back and forth? Well, you can see the leaves blowing, but you can't see the force that's making that the leaves move. 
And then he says, so it is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I can't see the Holy Spirit, but I know the effect that it's had on my life. I remember talking to my dad, went to church every, every Sunday morning. Put 20 bucks in the offering every Sunday morning. And he was well-loved and well-respected, and there was no doubt in his mind that everything was cool between him and the Lord. And then I got saved. And fathers tell sons, sons don't tell fathers, okay? And I said, Dad, this is religion, and there's a big difference between religion and being born again. I've told this story a hundred times, I'll tell it once more. I argued with him. That's all we did is argue. And then he got a wrong phone call. He made a call, wrong phone call. Dad said, sorry, wrong number. Happened to be a born-again Baptist minister. And he says, no, Larry, you didn't get the wrong number. Um, This is the Lord. We need to talk. He came over to our house every day for a week. At the end of that week, my dad was a born-again Christian at the age of 50 years old. You know what he did? He got mad. He got mad. And he had a little meeting with the pastor of our Lutheran church. I've been going here for 25 years. Not once did I ever hear I had to be born again. Never went back to that church. He went to the Baptist church, the guy that led him, led him to the Lord. And at the age of 50, my dad was a very wealthy man. And um, had real estate, franchise for Wausau Homes, uh, four barber shops in Oshkosh. Everybody loved him. Everybody knew him. And uh, he gave it all up. Went and built a house. Said, I got to clear my mind. So he built a house up in Pine River. And um, became a janitor for ServPro. You know why... Uh, he, he did it for serve pro because it, he thought, well, serve the pro. In his, his thinking, he's gonna, he's, he'll do anything for Jesus and if it means being a janitor. So um, my father, when he went to be with the Lord, uh, had led many people to Christ. He died a very rich man with no money. Let's just put it that way. He died a rich man with no money. But he's got treasure in heaven. My mother wouldn't go to a grocery store without handing out a track. I came home one day. This is all off cuff. I'm having memory come back flashes. My mother, I came home, and she was doing dishes, and she said, Dwight, come over here. She says, something happened to me today, and I just not can figure it out at all. I'm sitting here doing the dishes, looking out the window, and something just came down on top of me and filled me to overflowing. And it was the most beautiful feeling I've ever experienced in my life. I said, Mom, you just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because that's what, once Dad got saved, it was Dad, Mom, and the rest of the family. I was the first one. I was the first troublemaker. But um, after that, it was just one after another. Dads, be dads. Explain the difference between being born again and um, adding anything to and having another gospel. Let me close with this. 
by going to Romans chapter six. Does that mean you don't get baptized? No. I'm gonna close this morning by encouraging you, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, that you're born again, and you haven't been baptized, I wanna give you a definition of what baptism is in these six verses in Romans. So let me ask the first question. If you're born again and haven't been baptized, you should be baptized. And you say, why? And I say, because Jesus said so. How's that for an answer? (laughs) Believe and be baptized. But it's never be baptized and believe. It's never baptized, then believe. It's always uh, believe first and then be baptized. So the attitude in Rome was, oh, wow, Jesus died for our sins. This is great. Let's sin. (laughs) And so verse one says, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I mean, if God's dealing out the grace, then let's take advantage of it. He corrects him, he says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism. All baptism is, is an outward expression of what has happened to you inwardly. And you're saying, I am, remember what the Lord said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. Well, you're a grown adult. People are gonna think I'm weird. Here I am, 46 years old, I'm gonna be dunked in water. That's kind of weird. No, it's not, not if, uh, not if you understand what the scripture says here. So, therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, and just as Christ was raised from the dead, the glory of the Father, even so you walk in newness of life. Newness of life is another way of saying being born again, a whole new life. Old things pass away, all things become new. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. What are you saying when you're baptized? Well, you're going under the water, just like Jesus went into the grave, and you're coming out just like Jesus came out with the resurrection, after he had uh, paid the penalty for sins. So you go down into the water, and depending how sinful you are is how it determines how long we hold you under. (laughs) And, um, but it's enough to get a a breath of air. You don't, don't, we're not sending you to heaven, okay? But, You know, this is sort of a straightforward exhortation-type Bible study. And I do want to end it on a lighter note with a word of encouragement. Don't be ashamed to be baptized. Do it only because the Lord tells you to. But with the full knowledge, it has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. You're you're describing what happened to you. And you know what you're saying when when you get baptized? I love Jesus Christ. And I am not ashamed of him. He's the power of God and a salvation. 
And if he wants me to do this as an outward act that shows other people that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then be baptized. Good pleasure today, man? Amen. Amen. I'm right on time, even with the video. Well, kind of almost on time. Let's stand up and pray. Lord, as we look at the book of Galatians, we see what Paul had to deal with, with the Judaizers, presenting another gospel simply by adding something else to it that would mandate them being saved. Lord, we thank you that we know the truth and the truth has set us free and that we are saved through grace by faith, period. And uh, we thank you for the freedom that that gives us. Um, Lord, go before us the rest of this uh, day, the rest of this week. Uh, We thank you for Amir. Uh, We thank you for the collection. I thank you because I know some of the numbers that has been a very generous collection and we'll fill you in next week on that. But boss, you will be very, very pleased and I'm very, very blessed by the amount that came in. So thank you, Jesus, for providing and uh, may you receive all the praise and all the glory and all God's people said. Amen. Amen.